ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Hi, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. We have got a fun show for you today. The title of the book we're talking about is Cowgirl Up, A Woman's Guide to Navigating the Corporate Frontier. And our guest today is Wendy Hall Bowling. Wendy, welcome. Thank you so much, Chickie. Wendy, why don't you start out by telling our listeners a little bit about your background. I know you tell in this story a, a powerful, powerful uh, experience about being sexually harassed um, in the corporate world, but, but what, what was your background uh, you know, before you became an author, before you uh, felt like you wanted to write this book? Well, I'm an extroverted engineer, Chicky, which is a crazy <laughs> thing anyway. <laughs> and I uh, have a math uh, undergrad and a computer computer science uh-huh. master's. So this whole, you know, really very important topic around STEM is is especially important to me, trying to get more women in business and tech. So I grew up, you know, really in male-dominated careers in telecom, healthcare, IT, um, was lucky enough to do really well in career advancement um, until I hit a a pivotal point where I reported sexual harassment and was retaliated against for 18 months and unfortunately fired. And it really brought me to my knees, but gave me such a chance to go on, get into sales, uh, lead a couple companies, um, their sales in the U.S. And it was a phenomenal experience that really teaches you sometimes it's, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it, right? Um, right. And in these cases, I just loved uh, being in sales and and being able to work with smaller companies. And so I feel so incredibly lucky to have a 30-year career. Um, unfortunately, I um, hit a point about two years ago where I was coming off of a healthcare startup and I was looking for my next role and had three incredible opportunities I thought to choose from. And unfortunately, the the final interviews with the CEOs really um, confirmed the sexism that's still out there. And I had the opportunity to actually go out on my own um, due to our, uh, at the same moment, uh, the company I was with as a software company got bought and I w- had enough um, to stay home for a couple years and mm. write the book and and build this this company around trying to approach the gender pay gap in a really unique and innovative way. Right, right. Well, so you describe corporate life in general as this challenging frontier, you know, going with with the cowboy and cowgirl metaphor. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, I certainly have lived in that world. I, I've spent my entire career in tech as well. Uh, yeah. But 
more from a strategic marketing of the tech than, you know, being being the engineer. Um, but again, you know, fairly male-dominated, although I was fortunate to work in, in a large travel technology company that had a, a female CEO. But, you know, I watched what happened with her, you know, as she had the pressures from, um, you know, from the C-suite and the company that owned us because we were a part of American Airlines at the time. And, um, you know, so it, it has been challenging, but, but describe the how you uh, position corporations as being this challenging frontier. Tell us what you mean by that. So I have a chapter in the book called Spitting Tobacco and Other Disgusting Cowboy Habits that I, I've always approached work as you've got to have fun. You're spending mm-hmm. way too much time there every day. Right. And I've, I get a feeling you're the same way, Chicky. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I... Um, so I, in the book, even though it's a light-hearted title, it's a tough thing to go through, right? And there is a lot of sexism. Um, it's, I find that it is a lot of subtle, um, where you feel like you're not being listened to, that mm-hmm. just it wears you down over time of being the only woman in the room. I, at one point in in my career, I noticed that there just weren't a lot of women in my meetings. And I started right. tracking it and went eight full weeks without a single woman in a meeting. And I know this is something that most men might look at it and say, oh, what's the big deal? It's still, you're getting paid to work, right? right. But it wears on you where you have to to yell louder that may not be authentically who you are to get your mm-hmm. to get heard where you're you're constantly having to push to be more prepared to and I'm I'm competitive as all dickens <laughs> I grew up I grew up with a twin brother I I ended up um playing sports and so I had a bring it on attitude in a lot of ways but um, it's to the point where I think anyone that has to go to work and not be their authentic self, it wears you down, right? Whether that that is your gay and lesbian or whether your um, your religious beliefs you don't feel like you can bring in with you, any of that, it right. just wears on you over time. And I don't know if you've right. experienced that, Chicky. Well, I have, and I, you know, the interesting thing is I've spent the last 15 years really on the entrepreneur, or 20 now, uh, on the entrepreneurial side and have had my own company. But when I went out to try to raise money, that's when I ran into mm. it. That, uh, mm. you know, first of all, there's a bias against founders to begin with that, you know, really you're, you're you can only expect to be around a couple of years and then, you know, then somebody more capable is going to come in and, um, I, I've told the story on the show before that every time I go to a business event where there are going to be other successful business people, uh, a.k.a. businessmen there, right, yes. I have this recurring dream that happens that I'm on a chairlift uh, on a ski uh, hill that is full of moguls. And as I'm going up the chairlift, and and by the way, I hate to be cold, and I'm really not very good at skiing. So 
you know, that just being in that role is, is being out of my comfort zone to begin with. But I would look down and in, in my dream, in my mind's eye, I would see these men skiing down the, the moguls, you know, in perfect control in business suits, right? And I mean, is, I, I'm sure that a psychologist would have an absolute field day <laughs> with that dream but it but it really is this whole thing of of t- carrying forward with us the baggage that somehow we're not enough right or or that yeah. as you said we do have to talk louder um when actually i know in my heart of hearts i mean i am a very capable businesswoman more capable than than many men that i have known certainly not all but um Anyway, so, you know, you talk in the book, and, and I, I love your titles, by the way. Uh, your your chapter titles are just precious. Um, you know, the next one is really a cowgirl's tale, and I think that this is what you gave us a little bit of insight in of, of your experience and, and actually losing your job. But I, I'm curious because the next chapter after that is a chapter called Integrity, the Barbed Wire of Business. And and that sounds like that's got a couple of stories behind it. Well, and it's really, in this case, um, it was all around when the higher you climb in the corporate, on the corporate mm-hmm. journey, the tougher it is to really keep your values. Because I was asked many times, to um, to not be as transparent with with clients, to um, say something was ready for uh, general availability when it wasn't. Um, it it's a tough thing. Even just yesterday, I talked and did some leadership coaching with an executive woman who knows the CEO is having an affair with someone in his chain of command, and and. No, she'll lose her job if she if she calls it out. And you have to figure out every day how you're going to show up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think women and men both um, do show up in very. This is not about women being better at this. This right. is about um, how can we, any leader, show up in a masculine negative culture that tends to be where we're at right now with business and be able to feel good about what they bring and be able to feel like their values aren't being compromised. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now it's I heard I heard with all the interviews I did, I did forty eight interviews for the book and and the women told me over and over how it was profits over people. And yeah. that's unfortunate because I think it's it's a loss. Women aren't staying in cultures where that's the case anymore, and we're losing that kind of insight and inclusive leadership that we need for innovation, for business results, for all the things that are part of our ROI of of an inclusive culture, right? Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting because you you then move into the whole discussion about branding yourself. And, you know, I think, you know, when you look at how we behave as women and we we play the supportive role really, really well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in our lives, we're the chauffeur, we're, you know, we're the maid, we're, you know, the the 
laundress. You know, we, we, we do – well, not me. I, I pay other people to do that stuff because I'm not very good <laughs> at it. But, but you know, we, we are, are good at supporting. So when it comes to actually letting people know what you do – and who you are, we don't do a, a great job of that. And and the next chapter that you have is on branding yourself. And I, I have just a little story I want to interject here because um, when I moved to my third corporate job, which was with a billion-dollar telecommunications company, it was a business-to-business telecoms company in the travel industry that nobody had ever heard of, even though they were larger than B- BT and a- AT&T. But anyway, um, we, I was on a team to roll the assets of that company uh, out from a not pro, not-for-profit cooperative, which it was, into a for-profit company and was working with Morgan Stanley Capital Partners and, you know, doing just some really kind of heady stuff for, for a woman my age and, and a woman, period, right? I was the highest-ranking woman in the company. But my, my boss um, offered me the CIO job. Uh, in mm-hmm. the new for-profit company, which, you know, should have been just, I mean, I should have been thrilled. However, that wasn't what I did, right? And and I didn't want to be internally focused, and I didn't want to focus on infrastructure. I wanted to be out there, you know, doing marketing and, and strategy and all of that. And so he asked me if I knew of any powerful guys for the VP of marketing, and it would help if they looked like a football player. Now, my boss was French, so God love him. He perhaps did not know he wasn't allowed to say those words out, right. you know, out loud in Atlanta, Georgia. But nevertheless, he did. And so I came in the next day, and I actually gave him my resume, and I said, "Perhaps you don't know what it is that I do." So anyway, this next chapter in your book is talking about branding yourself, and you say, "Cowgirl, up to your passion." So tell us yeah. how to do that. So a lot of us tend to do what's next for us and what we're asked to do. Um, we tend to be very internally focused at, at what our job is, is throwing at us instead of lifting our head and looking at what we want to do. So I tell people we, we're kind of at the mercy of our careers instead of being in charge of them. So mm-hmm. I have a whole talk on being the trail boss of how to get above that. And it's like anything, even with your own business. Um, it's trying to get ahead of the curve to figure out what is coming next, right? Don't the, the um, buggy whip people, how, what's coming next in your life? And a lot of that, I hope, is fueled by what really lights your fire. And so right. I realized um, I had a terrible um, bias. Uh, over salespeople because as um, the R&D director of this Fortune 100 telecom company and doing all the leading bleeding edge projects, salespeople would sell things about that product that we had not developed yet. And our team would have to figure out how, um, and me leading it, would have to figure out how to deliver on those things. So salespeople tended to create problems for me. And and so I, when I was asked, um, I was lucky enough to work for a, a software company that was a startup, a four-year-old startup. And, mm-hmm. and after a year, I had up-sold our uh, 
largest client a $1 million deal. And we were 24 people, right? It was the biggest biggest right. sale we'd made. And we celebrated, but my at the conclusion of it, my uh, CEO was so appreciative and said, Wendy, I want you to do sales. And I went, oh, there's no way. Um, <laughs> and as an extroverted engineer, people would say, why aren't you in sales? And I just look at them like, why would I ever want to do that? And I right. realized that <laughs> I that was holding me back. And so I loved the CEO, and um, I think she could have asked me to try anything to help the company, and I would have. And so I took it on and was just addicted to it. I mean, just loved thinking in the moment and working. Um, and I realized that my passion was around solving problems for people. And I'd been doing that with product development, but I could do it working with clients and using my technical expertise to really make technology easy um, for folks to understand. And and I, it went all the way back to my first, how I got my first job, which is in the book, um, where I was tutoring math so I wouldn't have to work in a fast food fish restaurant, um, which was not a glamorous job. And I loved making math simple for college students and was just about to go back to um, get my master's to teach math in college when one of my tutoring students said, just send one resume to my dad who's, who's at Bell Labs, one of the most prestigious technology you know, companies that we grew up with when we were younger, right? And took that one interview, made one resume, and loved being in the middle of learning new things. So that passion, if you can connect with what gives you energy and what really lights your fire, it can really propel you to do things that you never thought possible, right? And people so often right. don't get in front of that. We don't think about or, or take the time. And women are particularly bad with this. Um, we wait to be noticed, right? We, if, if I went to one of my really high potential female uh, direct reports and said, would you consider this assignment? She'd say, my team needs me or I need to finish this, this project. And if I and men would come to me and say, um, when are you going to get me to this next thing? When are you going to get me to the next level? It's right. just totally different. So I think both understanding we have so much to offer and not waiting. You've heard the statistic about women tend to do the 30, you know, have about um, uh, even 90%, but we don't have all of the criteria for a new position, and we don't take it, whereas men take it at 60%, which is, it holds us back, right? And we have got to get beyond that because we have so much to offer that the corporate right. culture needs from us. Well, and, and your next chapter kind of goes into this because it talks about versatility. And again, I think, oh. you know, in our personal lives, you know, especially if you have a family, you, you're absolutely 
used to being not only versatile but but multitasking and you know sometimes uh you know I feel like my my own husband doesn't understand all of the things that are on my plate because of in particular because of being an entrepreneur because he's a salesman and he's got somebody to do his proposals for him yes <laughs> right? sales engineering and exactly exactly and and so when i look at all of the things i need to do i do go from bronco rider to calf rover oh. right which is what you oh. talk about in versatility which i love and and I looked at and asked all these interviews, what is it may is what is the most important skill? And got a wide variety of answers that were all around the same, you know, five or ten uh, characteristics. But versatility is one of those underrated. It is in any business, especially small businesses, need this almost more. I think um, you need to be able to move roles. As, as the new, the latest challenge of the business requires. And when I got first promoted um, back in my early days, I thought they were actually hiring me. But they were hiring what I could be for 20 different people. And that was the first time I really saw versatility, right? I thought, wow, wow it doesn't even matter really the strengths I have except my ability to pull out some pieces of those for whatever that person needed or that situation needed. That's really an interesting perspective. I never thought about that. Thank you. So in in the next chapter, you talk about speaking the language of the Cowboys. And Ooh. and we <laughs> we do have to morph a little in how we communicate. So what what are some of the keys there? Well, I when I was doing as a salesperson, I would go and and I call it um, trolling the for business opportunities at these big huge uh, tech conferences, right? And I'll never forget. I walked up to and and started a conversation with a company, and the guy barely looked up. He uh, kind of kept glancing down at his phone. And you could tell he really wasn't taking me seriously because I've had a lot in my career where people say, oh, you're in marketing or you're in HR or, God forbid, you're the secretary, right? So um, I'll never forget figuring out really quickly. I looked at him and I said, wow, I'm so interested to understand why you chose H323 to implement this uh, call recording solution for the protocol that you, you used. A lot of folks are going SIP these days because it's supposed to be easier and, and more interoperable. And he put down his phone on the table and scooted closer to me like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. And it was almost like they were saying, oh, you're not just a pretty face or you're, you're not just this, you know, non-technical person because you don't look like it, right? Right. Um, and I have used this over and over to really gain credibility. It's even as I took on the first voice over IP um, solution, we had a, a, a trunking solution um, for Lucent. And 
it was the first time we had taken on trying to do IP trunking um, and, and instead of circuit switch as a, as a uh, technology. And I'll never forget having to learn, I, tell, I, I call it getting 007 dangerous, about a topic so that you can keep learning but show you have credibility and really have at least the depth that, to know what's going on and when people are pulling you down the wrong path. And when, as women, we tend to think we have to get, have all the answers before we get in to a situation, right. um, whereas we are so good at thinking on our feet, and we need to have that confidence around that. Right. So right. speaking the language of the Cowboys is just not in terminology and understanding acronyms. It's also how you present yourself with confidence, right? And, right. and a lot of how I've lived my life is kind of go big or go home. And it is going with faking it till you making it sometimes, right? right? You've right. heard this. So. I have, I have. Well, that, excuse me, <clears throat> that leads into networking is roping them in. So you've talked <laughs> about your transition from, from the tech side into sales. But networking happens, you know, at its most basic every time we walk into a meeting, Right, exactly. and and how exactly. you interact with the people who are there, and so speaking the right language and and actually being able to rope people in, share a little bit about that. So I've never actually had to look for a job; they've always come to me because of my network. And I I don't know if you know Strength Finders. Um, it's a book that that and a test that gives you your five. Um, yes. strengths. But one of mine is connector. And I've just used this as an intrinsic way to, of an interest in people. But I didn't get that until later in my career that I was a connector. And I tell people that even if you're an introverted engineer, or even if you don't really like networking, it's a skill that's so important in business today. Because it is about relationships with folks, right? They have to, they, they're not interested in you until they know you're interested in them a lot of times. So um, yeah. I am a big proponent about coming at this in an in a authentic way that's just be interested in people. And that, uh, it's amazing all the people I've met, how few of them have been real duds. Um, where you, you know, I think it's been a handful of people over the, the years that I've been in the tech world, and especially as, as I've been doing this work, I have been amazed by how easy it is to be interested in people and how they, in turn, after you're interested in them, um, want to spend time with you. And I think business is still about relationships. People Absolutely. do business with people. They don't do it just to get a product or to get a service, right? Right. And they can do that with anybody. You have to differentiate yourself, and that's an easy way to do it. Right, and I think that, that leads right into, into leadership itself because if you are interested in your people, uh, and, and I have to admit that this has been my my weakness in leadership. I I can, you know, I'm 
a very adequate leader, and, and I, I, that's not really the right way to frame it, but I mean, I'm adequate about all of the things about having the vision to lead, you know, understanding strategy, understanding how all of the things uh, that you do, all of the initiatives have to fit into that. My weakness is on the people side. Yeah. And and it's not that I'm not interested in people. I'm just, um, I, I don't know, I don't even consider myself shy. But when I think about going to a network event, I'd rather have a root canal. Right? Wow, but I, interesting. But, but here's, here's something super interesting, Wendy. Last week... I was, um, and I'll, I'll say interviewing, but I, I'm looking to bring on uh, my core team in my new technology company. And so I had brought a woman um, from Arizona who I've known for many years, and she's very technical, but the role I wanted her in is to lead product management. And we happened to have a social event um, I am launching a group here in Tampa called Travel Massive, and it's a local chapter of a, an international organization. And we were doing our launch event. And so there were going to be a bunch of bloggers and, you know, just a, a lot of people kind of tangential to the travel industry. And so I asked her if she minded going. And so we went, and she walked around the room, and she talked to everybody. And I did too, but the difference is she learned everything about everybody she asked questions and you know i'm not sure what i did but i certainly didn't get the depth i talked to the same people she did but she knew stuff that i didn't even think about asking them and i was so amazed by that and to me that is fundamental to to having real leadership skills so and I you, think your it chapter is. on that is you can lead a horse to water, but, yes. but again, and, this thing about and, caring about people is is important. Well, and I I talk to folks about you know a lot of us try to get milk from a horse. It looks mm-hmm. like a cow, right? It has four feet. It has a longer nose, face, and and but it's not. And so we shouldn't try to be something we aren't. So I bet, as incredible as that woman is, you are so much more incredible in the way you work with people or other skills you've got. So it's about being understanding that she is a fabulous compliment for you. And I, and I approach this thing with leadership in people. Figure out what's going to make you fabulous about your leadership, how you approach leadership. Now, I believe that developing people is one of the most important things you do as a leader. So That's if right. you don't have some core competency around that, I think sometimes it's better for you to be an individual contributor, right, right? in a in a big as, as big a way as you want, right? Right. And but and it's it, interesting that you should say that because in my corporate life, nearly all of my jobs were individual contributor jobs simply because my leadership I think, knew that about me. Now, there was one period of time where I had 100 people reporting to me, a team, um, but I had really solid leaders. And I'm good at managing leaders. I'm not good at managing the line line people. Um, Just because I'm so comfortable at 40,000 feet, but you know, I get nosebleeds at ground zero, right, at 10,000 yeah. feet and at ground zero. And and you have to know your skills, right, in, in order to be an effective 
leader. So I, I want to touch on the next chapter, which is, is talking about the cowgirl posse. And, and it's interesting because uh, prior to this show being called The Game Changer, uh, it was previously done under the auspices of a group that I ran called the Executive Girlfriends Group. And one of the things that we frequently talked about is how we should be supportive of each other as cowgirls. Of course, we didn't Mm. use that term, but I'm going to use your term, right? Women should support women, but quite often in corporate life, because it is such a struggle to, you know, get the attention, we quite often do that by pushing out other women and, you know, trying to get to the front. And, um, you know, obviously that is not a smart thing to do. So how, right. how do you pull the cowgirls together? Well, and right now, most companies, we know, especially executive positions, right, they're, most companies understand they need a woman in, on the board and on the executive team. So if you look at all companies, I was just doing um, a mind the gap analysis to assist a company, a tech company here locally last week, they had one C-level woman across nine leaders, right? So women look at that as, ooh, companies put one in there and check the box, I got to be that one. So it can sometimes, I think, come across as it's a limited space, um, right? So that creates eight cents. And I think we have to blow that apart of there being only a limited number of positions for women in the executive suite, whereas we need to change that dynamic, right? We need more diversity at that level. We need more inclusion. We've got to get more women at the table there to change leadership and the culture in companies so it's a win-win for all the reasons we talked about profitability, innovation, right? Um, right? So I see so often that women support women in spite of them being women, whereas men support men because they're men. Right. And <laughs> we're the only ones that can change that, right? right. I see the same thing for mentoring, the same thing for, for um, sponsoring. And I have met some incredible women who are always pulling their hand up. There's a group here that I started 10 years ago, the coolest women in tech, um, for director level and above women locally, and we meet once a month. It is all about how do, we, how do we support each other. And if you make that how you show up, then it is contagious with other women, right. and that's what we have a responsibility to do. I cannot be any stronger about this. Right. Well, I love that. Um, I know we're running out of time here, so I just want to um, have you touch quickly on the Cowgirls Corporate Trail Ride Checklist. (laughs) Well, I, as a fun way to do a summary in the book, I took each chapter and I distilled it down into a set of criteria as just like we go on a trail ride, we plan it. Even a hike here in Colorado, we, we plan that excruciatingly, excruciatingly well, right? Because uh, you never go in, know when you're going to get in trouble. The same as making sure you have a set of um, 
a checklist of things. In this, in this case, it was characteristics or attitudes. Um, I say gumption, right? Because there's going to right. be some hard times where you have to just cowgirl up and get through something or to do the hard stuff, right? I had that case when I had to decide whether to report the, the harassment that was right. occurring. Um, and I, I, it's a really fun way to look at it. And when you looked at the list, um, is, was there a favorite one you had, Chick, Chickie? Um, well, we, the one we didn't touch on, which was beans and franks without the beans or just, just <laughs> hot dogs, was the one chapter we missed. But uh... Well, and that is uh, the big chapter with this. The big point around this that is definitely the next book is we tend to think and be told the perception for us women is we have to be like men to be successful. Even right. the successful females that we see up in executive CEO positions, they have a very male persona about them, a lot of masculine energy. Um, that's not the case. But we also can sometimes blame men as the gatekeepers. And gender intelligent leadership that we need in corporate in the corporate world today is not about that. It's about the one plus one equals three, just like the beans and franks is a better meal, right? right. Um, we have to look at this as we are only as good as how well we're leveraging each other's strengths and perspectives um, in the workplace. And that means really understanding what each of us brings, right? So right. if I'm, I have to always be asking what am I missing if I have people all around me that look like me which tends to be in the executive suite, white male. Right. Or never let me go be the only person that looks like me in the candidate list that I'm looking like, right, mm -hmm. that I'm going for or that I'm trying to recruit into. Look at what diversity I can bring into this. So it's the exact same thing with you being more powerful with people who compliment you. Right, right. Well, Wendy, this has just been terrific, and what what a fun book! And and so you already uh, kind of gave us a glimpse that there there is going to be another book behind this one, right? Thank you. Yes, it's actually um, the top ten gender intelligent cultures that are changing the face of business. So um, oh, cool. I'm looking for the for companies that are doing this differently, so that we can pull out the best practices to help us finally break through this gender equality um, stalemate we're in where we can't make good progress towards getting equality um, right. in, in our corporate environments. Well, I think you hit on something uh, when you talked, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, but those companies that have more women proportionally in the C-suite and on the board have higher profitability. Exactly. And it's not an accident. It's it's a statistic. And yeah. and so, so you're left you know, behind. Exactly. If you don't. So I think as you look at those companies that do have the higher ratios, you're you're gonna find the best practice because clearly, I mean, out of selfishness, if nothing else, the CEO can see 
that there's benefit to making that choice. And exactly. again, that that assumes the women are playing well together in the sandbox, you know, and and exactly. that they, um, you know, they don't have to bash men to be pro women, which is another point you make in that last chapter. So, yeah. anyway, well, it has been delightful, Wendy, Thank and I, I just so love this book. Uh, again, the title of the book we've been talking about is Cowgirl Up. A Woman's Guide to Navigating the Corporate Frontier, and the author is Wendy Hall Bowling. Wendy, can you tell our our, uh, guests how they can get in touch with you if they want you to come speak at their organization or if they just want to follow you on social media? Well, thank you. Um, So my Twitter and uh, social, almost all the social um, outlets are Corp, Cowgirl Up, C-O-R-P, Cowgirl Up. My website is all spelled out corporatecowgirlup.com. And I, the book is available on Amazon and Kindle, but I'm always interested in meeting and hearing the stories of great women who are, to be honest, we learn more from our struggles than we do our successes sometimes. Right, so right. please, I love. Um, this kind of insight. It keeps us fresh. It helps us to learn from each other. Fabulous. Well, Wendy, it has been terrific, and I hope you have a really productive, really fun week. And uh, we will talk again soon. You too. It's been a pleasure, Chicky. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas inspiration innovation with chickie fitzgerald